Hey everybody, have you considered starting a podcast? We here at Screwball highly recommend Podbean for getting your podcast out to a larger audience. Podbean has given us the opportunity to easily bring you Screwball each and every week on all of your favorite podcast services. Use the link podbean.com slash screwball to sign up and save up to 35% annually. You can also use the link podbean.com slash pro slash screwball to sign up for a business subscription. Happy podcasting. Hey everybody, welcome back to Screwball Baseball Podcast, your home for everything baseball. I'm your host, Mike Lepre, here with my co-host, Frank White. Hey, how's it going? This is episode 118 of Screwball, and following the All-Star break, the All-Star week that we had talked about in the last two episodes, we finally do have a recap for you as opposed to just predictions, and obviously following a shortened week of baseball since games started back up on the Thursday. Um, so not too much uh, to talk about with um, you know with too much gameplay because it was only about a series or you know a two series in some cases. So let's just start the first piece of news here, as we usually do with the news section. The all, like I said, the All Star Week recap. So during the home run derby on that took place last Monday, Juan Soto won the home run derby after beating Julio Rodriguez in the finals. Uh, Albert Pujols, to, as just as a side note, made it to the mid round, which I thought a lot of people found surprising. Frank pretty much predicted yeah. that Jock, um, Kyle Schwarber would put up a goose egg, and uh, he didn't quite put up a goose egg, but he uh, did not. Uh, perform to the level that a lot of people did, especially me. So I wanted to throw that out there. The pool host put on a show. As far as the All-Star game goes on Tuesday, the game ended 3-2, to two, which is a little bit lower scoring game than Frank and I thought. It ended 3-2 to two with the AL winning, I think, what was it, their ninth straight or something like that. Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton won the All-Star game MVP after he hit its big two-run home run to tie the game, and then a solo home run from Howard Buxton clinched the game. So it was a pretty good uh, All-Star week. Uh, the you know, home run derby is exciting as it usually is. Had a pretty good field of players. Julio Rodriguez emerged as a really big, bigger contender that I even thought he could be. Um, Juan Soto, of course, you know, you know, did his thing. Pete Alonso put up a show. Uh, Albert Pujols put up a show. Even Corey Seager, I believe, who had to go up against Julio Rodriguez in the first round or, or whatever, he put up a show and and he kind of got beat because Julio Rodriguez hit like thirty some home runs. Um, so home run derby was fun. All-star game was a little bit more engaging than I'm used to. I watched it more than I often do. So all, all in all a good week. And, uh, it was good to see some teams get rest. There was some teams that really needed a, a day off or two. So overall, a uh, good week, I'd say. Yeah. Well, the all-star game was more entertaining. Just kept your, your attention a little bit more. Uh, obviously baseball, it, it, you can't really go out in baseball and not try. You're a pitcher. I mean, if you throw 95, you throw 95. You right. can't really not throw 95. It throws 85. It's like, well, this guy's obviously not trying, right? There's no, like, NFL where like, we just don't tackle pro ball, right? It's You can't really do that in baseball. Right. Sure, you may not throw all your pitches. Maybe throw a lot more fastballs. Yeah. But and then hitting, you're not just going to go up there and just, you know, wave around. You're going to try hitting. Right. So it's hard to not contend in baseball. Home run derby was good. Uh, just, you know, the broadcast has been hurting for two years. You know, they don't show exactly where the ball lands. You know, they got split screen. They still don't show where the ball lands. Right. They don't update the home run tracker sometimes. Sometimes you get his, you know, ninth home run and it still says seven, you know. They don't show the home run distance consistently or accurately. They'll show a home run number three was 450 feet and he just hit home run number six or seven. It's like, well, I don't really remember home run number three. We just seen ten pitches. It's flying, you know. This broadcast has been lacking. You really want to see the distance, where it lands. That's the exciting part, plus, you know, the, how many they hit. Right. So they got to get that up to speed. You know, they used to have the pin right where the ball landed. The pin would pop up. Mm-hmm. And after the round, they would kind of give you a little bit more accurate. They show some replays of them. 
So I feel like that the broadcast for Home Run Derby last year, they didn't show distance much at all. Mm-hmm. Like, they got to get that better. That's one of the, that's like, you know, watching a baseball game and, and, and not showing, you know, the field when the ball, the ball gets hit. Yeah. You're missing half of it. Doesn't make much sense. Yeah, so they, they got to fix that because that's really it's one of the biggest things, Home Run Derby, is watching the ball, watching where it goes, and seeing the distance. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, that's all they care about. They don't care so much about how many home runs or who even wins it. I just want to see someone hit the snot out of the ball. Right. That's something they got to work on. Agreed. Um, otherwise, All-Star break was good. You know, All-Star game was entertaining. Futures game was entertaining. Home Run Derby was always fun. So, overall, it was a good weekend. Um, LA got its, its time and time to sun there. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been a while. Piece of news I got, you know, Hall of Fame induction yesterday. We've seen, I believe, our seven players, Jim Cott, Buck Fowler, Manny Minosa, Tony Olivo, uh, Gil Hodges, O'Neal, and David Ortiz. So we've seen the Hall of Fame induction yesterday. That was pretty cool. A lot of players, which is which is good. A lot of well-deserving players. But yeah, for the most part, it was just the All-Star. That's pretty much our, you know, what we had. Yeah, uh, yeah, there really wasn't much. Uh, the only other two pieces of news I have here, other than that, obviously Ortiz being the the headliner of that All Star Game class or uh, Hall of Fame class, I mean, yeah. um, that there he was obviously the one that brought the attention. So, uh, congrats to him and the rest of the Hall of Famers that finally got their time to shine. Um, but the other two pieces of news I have here is um, is uh, Mets acquire Daniel Vogelback kind of kicks off the. Uh, I would say like the trade season, trade deadline stuff. It kind of it's one of the bigger moves, at least noteworthy. Uh, the Mets acquired Vogelback from the Pirates in exchange for a right-handed reliever, Colin Holderman, and we'll most likely see DH playing time as he kind of did with the Pirates. So there was a funny video of him <laughs> scoring from second yeah, to home, freight train. like yeah, it's just a big dude. I don't know how much of a difference he'll make to the Mets, but he at least brings a different. You know, I know they weren't happy with Dominic Smith, so. You know, he, I think he is supposed to actually see most playing time, too, and is less of a platoon role. So, you know, but like I said, kind of kicks off the trade deadline stuff. So at least worth mentioning. And then just the last piece of news here, I just thought worth bringing up. You probably saw it even on just your regular news. But so there was a mint condition Mickey Mantle card that is up for auction right now, and it's projected to break a record at the auction. So it's estimated it could exceed $10 million. <laughs> and the auction ends uh, next month on August 27th. The record right now is $6.6 million for an 09, uh, a 1909 Honus Wagner card that was sold a year ago. And then, if you remember, just, I think, a little before that was the Mantle card that got $5.2 million. So, right now, the card that is at auction right now is rated a 9.5, and it was bought in 1991 for $50,000. So, 30 years ago, if it, I'm sure $50,000 is still a pretty penny, you know, 31 years ago. But to now make over $10 million, potentially, or you're at least going to break the record because it's already at, I think, almost at 4 or $5 million at the auction. So you're at least breaking the record and you're making a few million dollars. So I'd say it's a pretty good uh, <laughs> pretty good chunk of change, pretty good investment you made. Yeah, yeah, I'd um, say so. So I thought that was worth mentioning because we do see, uh, I believe we did bring up this Honus Wagner and Mickey Mantle card uh, the year ago that it came up. So we're just seeing another, you know, we're seeing kind of a boom in, in card exchanging, whether it be baseball cards, football cards, uh, Pokemon cards, or, you know, all this, uh, there's these playing cards are really like kind of there. I I see, at least from my perspective, you're a little bit more in the market, but I think there's been a little bit of a boom in the last year or so, especially since COVID. Yeah. The last couple of years. Yeah. The market's definitely gone up, which is uh, good. Got people back into it and getting the, that always goes through the up and downs with those markets. So, 
Yeah. And the last thing here, you know, is the topic of the day, which is going to be the topic, you know, probably for the next couple of weeks, is pretty much um, the trade deadline and some rumors and just some players you could see on the move. I think this trade deadline and this offseason coming up are going to be um, some of the biggest we've ever seen and just some league-altering deadline and offseason. Deadline, you were talking Soto, could get moved. Uh, they kind of listed their price. We've seen the Angels list a price for Otani. Yeah. Those are two of the biggest names you're ever going to see. Obviously, you have your outside chance. Could Judge get moved in some sort of huge superstar swap? I mean, there was an outside chance of that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you got, like I said, Soto and Otani. Uh, Noah Syndergaard is still a big name. Joey Gallo, obviously, from the Yankees. You, you know, terrible at the Yankees, but, you know, still a relatively big name. Carlos Radon could get traded because he's on a long contract with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, the Red Sox have a ton of players that get moved. Yeah. Sale get moved as injured right now and then come back for a team. Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. Um, I don't think they'd move Devers, but um, they got some big pieces that can get moved. Yeah. Because yeah, a lot of these guys are free agents with the Red Sox. Yeah, you know. the Red Sox, yeah. So there's a lot of things that can happen here at the deadline. Uh, a lot of young players can be moved, especially Soto and Otani. Could even Trout be around. You, know, you never know. to think of. The Cubs, Wilson, you know, Williams Contreras. You know, is Votto? Okay, he get moved. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of questions, but there's some real big names that we already know who could get traded. Soto, Otani, Rado, and the Red Sox. You know, that's, that's, that's some of your biggest superstars. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, you mentioned the off. You know, I mentioned the off season being. You know, there's a chance that the off season is another part of league altering things. We have Ornato could opt out. You got Judge as a free agent. You know, Verlander, I believe, is a free agent. Kershaw's a free agent again. Uh, so those things are, you know, league league altering with these with these trade deadlines. Man, that's just there's a lot going on. And these, just like I said, I wanted to mention Soto and Otani. I mean, those are you don't see those guys get traded. Mm-hmm. Right, the last time we've seen anyone like that get traded, I mean, I, I don't know, A Rod, right? Something like that, yeah. At midseason and stuff like that, you know, Arnado, yeah, we've seen, but these are like, don't get me wrong, Arnado's one of the best players we have in baseball, but this is a little bit different. These are generational players at their at their youngest ages. Oh, yeah, Soto, yeah. an incredible age, and Otani, just you know, uh, once in a generation player we haven't seen, and you know, I don't know, since just about Babe Ruth, yeah. So, you know, it's just. The deadline, like I said, it could go nuts. It could just be quiet. Not the big guys could move, but mm. it also some team swings in and you get Soto, and you have five, six prospects on the move. Or Tani, you got a couple of major leaguers and prospects on the move. Swings a whole division, a whole team, a whole race for not just this year, the next year's, and then the off season that changes the off season as well. So yep. we're at that point. Next week we're at the deadline. So you know, I just wanted to bring up the fact that you know. These are some crazy Bogarts could get moved. You know, these are some of the, the best players in baseball mm-hmm. at their position. It's just, it's it's hard to see. You know, it's hard to, to believe that someone would want to get rid of these guys, but then you realize what that could do for your team. You can bring in six prospects or five prospects for Juan Soto. That changes the Nationals quite a bit around, plus oh, some yeah. of the guys they already have hanging around. Strasburg comes back and just not completely utter failure. Uh, you have, you know, some other younger players, right? Maybe Carter Keboom actually plays a game. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyber Ruiz and Ruiz, jo- Josiah, Josiah Gray, Gray uh, Victor Robles in center field. Mm-hmm. Um, plus whatever pl- prospects they already have, and then you add, you know, the Yankees, Dominguez, or something like that. That that changes the whole, their whole franchise, that whole division, the whole league. Yeah, changes the whole direction. You yeah. Know? So it's just we're at a time right now where the league can be, the league, and for this year and the next coming years could be so changed by just this deadline. 
that it's 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 unbelievable. You see generational talent get moved or have the chance of getting moved. It's just you just just don't see it. You just don't just don't see it. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And there's there's obviously the big name of Soto. I do think he does get moved uh, because there's a lot of teams that have the prospects to do it. And Cardinals I think the Nationals the ones right now. Yeah. Cardinals are definitely the ones that make a lot of sense to me. And the Yankees. And and Yankees obviously have the prospect pool and the win now. Um you know, mentality. It's like, does that really put us, you know, as a team above? Same thing with the Cardinals. Now it's like all of a sudden we're the big dogs in the NL Central, not so much kind of getting fluttered in with the Brewers. You know, it's like now we're we own this division kind of thing. Yeah, so middle of the order of Goldschmidt, Arnado, and Juan Soto. Yeah, I mean, and then led off by Tommy Edmond. Yeah, who's high, highest WAR in the league or just about. Yeah. Um. So I, I think Juan Soto is the big shiny name, but there's also guys still out there that make big that make big changes. Um, you know, you're more two or three starters that all of a sudden go to another team and are big or a, just to say an ace gets traded somewhere or a big time reliever. That's as, this is when bullpens kind of get shaped out. Yeah. Um, you got Frankie Montas, Dave yeah. Robertson, mm-hmm. Scott Barlow, yep. uh, David Bednar, mm-hmm. Brian Reynolds is a superstar. Yeah. Just, you know, just kind of stuck out there. So those are the guys, you know, yeah, don't get if- wrong. Those are superstars. They're, they're, some of them guys, Brian Reynolds is a borderline superstar. These are perennial all-star guys, obviously. They're, but then you got generational talent in Soto and Tani. I mean, these are just – this deadline always seems to be right that way. It could shape up to be one of the best deadlines of all time, right? And mm-hmm. then sometimes they don't. We see Verlander yeah. move and Granke move in the past and Cole. So we've seen some. But this one, obviously, with Soto and Otani, I mean, these are just – Yeah, I think I think Otani is more pie in the sky. But, I mean, I wouldn't fault the Angels because imagine what you could get for them. Yeah, and you know. if you trade him, you trade Trout in the offseason. Yeah, and then I don't you, see how Trout could stay if you no. trade Otani. And then you have the world, and you you take the money and you have off Rendon, the books. Who still has some value? You know, he's been terrible. He's sent a guard to trade. I mean, yeah, I mean, if the Angels really wanted to go that way, they could really get some talent. Um, they Darryl could really Walsh, look towards they the future. Really get rid of everybody. Oh yeah, or David Fletcher when he comes back. Hmm. Um. So I, I think the off. I mean the the trade deadline will be big. I think there will be a big splash with Juan Soto. I don't know exactly where he goes, but I think the Cardinals make a lot of sense. I think the Yankees can make sense. Um, Dodgers, so, Mariners, Padres. Yeah, you never, you can never count those big teams out. You really can't, especially the Dodgers. They'll do anything. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot to look forward to with that. The trade deadline is always some of the best parts of the year because it really does shake up uh, teams and it really just shake up divisions and all of a sudden you have a team that was kind of in the middle like do we buy do we sell and they sell and all of a sudden they're they're out of it and then another team like say the guardians right now or all of a sudden they're really in it you know because they're in second i believe they're in second place so or all of a sudden maybe the white Sox make a big splash and they're up back up at the top of the division like they should what be they get rid of guys or or all of a sudden they're like kind of yeah they're spreading their talent thin a little bit and they're trying to figure it out for next year blue and jays do that. um yeah blue jays could do that the orioles could um, do it with trey mancini and well, at this point, you mentioned the Red Sox. I think that if the Red Sox have another bad series or two here and they get leapfrogged by the Orioles, and you got Xander Bogarts opting out, J.D. Martinez is a free agent, you sale. got decisions to sell. You know. I think there's a lot of free agents Christian for them this Vasquez year. Vasquez is a free agent for them. Yeah. And he's one of the better hitting catchers, at least this year he is. Yeah, I would, I would, if I'm the Red Sox, I'm thinking about moving him because this is probably the best you're going to see out of him, uh, for, um, you know, for the most part. He's so, um, so, you know, they, they have a big decision to make there um, because they obviously don't want to be – you know, the lowly team in the AL East when everyone else is kind of partying. You know, yeah. the Rays, Blue Jays, and all, all of a sudden the Orioles are having a good time. And then lose these so. guys in the offseason because you, you, you didn't want to, you know, hurt feelings of your fans. But that, then that sets your franchise back even more. Right. So, you know, they have to make big decisions. I think this upcoming series or two, 
can make a big, big, big difference for them. Like yeah. I said, they can get leapfrogged by the Orioles. They're done. So. They're, they're done. So yeah. They'll get hurt there. And then... The struggling bullpen and yeah. inconsistent offense. Baldy and, not coming back the same. I mean, it's just... They're done. Yeah, they've had a weird year. They had some ups and some downs, but I'd say the more downs. The back half of the lineup's so. not good at all. No. You have three or four guys that can hit. If one of the bottom guys hits a little bit, yeah, sure, they get score runs, but when you're giving up 28 runs... <laughs> yeah, they, Literally, the last three games, I think it was it was ninety. They they gave ninety three runs in, in three games. That's and I think that, they gave up like one hundred and fifteen or one hundred and twenty in the last five games. Or so, that's you can't do that. Yeah, no, no. The and pitching's been bad. And you don't have a stadium bad. that that is good for pitching either. So they get bad pitching in a bad stadium. It's just it's like batting practice at that point. It especially was for the Blue Jays. And then you, um, yeah, then you face the AL East teams. <laughs> yeah, not great. Like oh, we're gonna go face the Central. You go face the Twins in the White Sox lineup. You sure? Oh, we gotta face the West. You face the Astros. And whatever the Angels might have, a couple of good hitters. I mean, yeah. the Mariners, right? Well, the Mariners at this point. It's like, yeah. yeah, thanks. We're we're gonna just we're just gonna check out here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, we'll see with the trade deadline. I think next week we'll have a, a more comprehensive predictions. You know, because we've we'll already seen people move. The hot stove will heat up a little bit. Rumors will really swirl. There will be guys that are in or teams that are in, teams that are out. There will be players that are made like officially on the market blah, blah, blah. so I think next week we'll have a little bit more of a breakdown and by the time it goes live those players will probably have already moved so so we'll come back with more next week but that's at least the preliminary look at kind of what's going on with the trade deadline so um, again one of, the, one of my favorite parts of the year this whole time yeah. is, is seeing how teams can get better so let's move on to the wrap up the who's doing the best right now the last segment of the news so who is doing the best right now well the so the Dodgers own the best record in the league, leapfrogging the Yankees, who have been there all year, uh, just barely by uh, winning percentage. So they own the best record in the league at 64-30, and 30, while the Mets own the second best record at 59-37, while the Braves are chasing them down. I believe the Braves only have like 11 losses in like two months or something like that. They only They're came just, behind the Mets. Yeah. And they were 10 and a half games behind them starting June. Yeah, I, the Mets um, have not played bad baseball. The Braves have just... Played score. better baseball. I think the Mets are 26th in scoring since the beginning of June. Oof. When they were like 5th in scoring wow. before that. So that's, yeah. that's been their problem. Yeah, which, I mean, you know, um, I know they've had problems with some of their signings. Canna and Eduardo Escobar and, uh, and Lindor hasn't, you know, I think Pete Alonso's really been your guy uh, in the middle of that lineup. So, But the Braves have played outstanding baseball. Um, so it's kind of hard to compete when you have a team that just doesn't lose. You know, it's kind of hard to stay, you know, stay ahead of them. But they are still, they do have the second best record in the league, so they're not being pushovers at all. So, over in the AL, the Yankees still in the best record at 66 and 31, while the Astros are nipping at their heels. The second best record at 64 and 32. Yankees still in the best run differential at plus 200, while the Nationals own the worst at minus 162. Yeah, that's just not good. No, so that's yeah. that's where you're looking at with your best teams. Still kind of the same teams, but you know, yeah, just, just a little different order. Yeah. Yeah, some some teams I got here on the hot list, uh, the Blue Jays, obviously they just destroyed the Red Sox, the Rays, the White Sox back in the hunt over there, uh, the Astros and the Dodgers, some cold teams, obviously the Red Sox went to 1-9 over the last 10, yep. uh, Tigers, Angels terrible, Rangers have been cold, the Phillies have been cold of late, which you never know, Phillies lose a couple more games here, they start trading some pieces away, mm-hmm. um, and the Nationals obviously been terrible, um, so yep. there's some hot and cold teams that you know I wanted to throw out there as well. Yeah, uh, kind of like we mentioned with the trade deadline stuff, we're kind of usual suspects of uh, who we're talking about could be buying and selling. So no surprise there. You know, Dodgers are in it, Mets are in it, Yankees are in it. Red Sox are really losing ground here. So, again, we'll see where the trade deadline uh, heads towards. So let's move on to who's hot and who's not, the hot and cold section of the show. As I usually do, I like to have the players of the week 
on my hot list, just to at least uh, give them mention. So I do have Aaron Judge on the list. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt was the NL Player of the Week. I don't have him because he's just always hot. That's just how he hits anymore. So I wasn't even uh, – when I saw him as a Player of the Week, I was like, oh, yeah, he had a good week. Yeah. It makes sense. Well, he got a uh, thousandth career RBI the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, didn't he hit a did he hit a home run milestone too? Yeah, maybe that was – Home runs in a game, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe it was Mookie Betts, I think, had 200, 200, 200 for his career, which is cool. Uh, but so just to mention Paul Goldschmidt, I don't have him on here, but he is worth mentioning. He won NL Player of the Week. So the number one uh, – my – Number one player I have here is Aaron Judge, batted 474 over the last week with a 12-11 slugging and a 1776 OPS. Came out of a little bit of a slump he was having, um, a little bit of a home run drought. Uh, number two, I have Stephen Kwan, batted 474 over the last week with a 684 slugging and 1184 OPS. He had a good, very good week. Uh, Dolis Garcia at number three, quietly having actually a really good year following his uh, his really good rookie season. Uh, batted 471 with an 882 slugging and a 1382 OPS. Number four, Matt Chapman finally got the hitting going uh, after having a pretty overall disappointing year. Uh, disappointing two years, probably, for Matt Chapman. Uh, batted 462 over the last week with an 846 slugging and a 1409 OPS. And then number five, Lourdes Gurriel batted 467 over the last week with a 533 slugging and a 1033 OPS. So two uh, two Blue Jays guys, no surprise there, probably got all their uh, hitting yeah, done out in the, just against the Red Sox. You know, so. four for, for five for six against the Red Sox in one game, that usually sets you up pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, so no surprise uh, there. Yeah, uh, some guys I wanted to add on today. Freddie Freeman's been hot for more than just the last week. He's been going nuts. And Ahmad Rosario's been having a good year, and he's been doing good over the last week or so. And Seth Brown, over the last seven days, has been putting up some good stats. Some pitchers that have been doing good, Zach Gallen pitching well, Nestor Cortez, his last start pitched really, very well. Jose Quintana, seven scoreless the other day. Mm-hmm. Charlie Morton, rounding in the form there. And Craig Kimbrell, been hot of late. That's been kind of one of the downfalls for the Dodgers. Um, one of their, their only ones is their bullpen's been a little weak, and especially Kimbrell. You get Kimbrell pitching like how he could with the rest of that team, their, their guys, that could obviously be devastating for everybody else. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's some pitchers there have been pitching well over the last seven to ten days. Yeah. Uh, Kimbrell in particular, you know, the Dodgers have a good bullpen. And you fi- would have figured, okay, we replaced Kenley Jensen. We got Craig Kimbrell. It's like, well, that's fine. But he's had a little bit of a rough year. And like you said, it's kind of been the only, you know, dark spot, I guess, for the for the Dodgers has been uh, not having quite the consistent closer. But if you can get him on track, you, you have a lockdown closer. He's one of the best of the last decade or so, yeah, you know, to be one honest. Of the best we've ever seen at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. You know, you definitely want him right, <laughs> especially for a playoff run. You don't want all of a sudden uh, – Kenley Jensen had that problem sometimes in the playoffs. You never really knew which Kenley Jensen you were getting. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, as far as the cold players, the who's not section of the list, I have uh, number one, Max Muncy, batted 071 over the last week with a 143 slugging and a 331 OPS. It's just his year. That's just average for the year at this point. Yeah, he's been worse than Gallo this year. Yeah, which is – which is that's, that's difficult. That's like that's you have impossible. to try. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty impossible, yeah. Um, number two, I have Brandon Belt, batted 077 over the last week with an 077 slugging at a 154 OPS. He's also had a pretty rough year, if I'm, if I'm remembering. Yeah. Uh, Giants as a whole have kind of come back down to earth, which well, is not surprising. More like how they're supposed to when you have not great talent, you put up not great results. You right. You just go, you know, win 115 games when you got guys who are just really not that good. Yeah, exactly. So they, they finally... We've been saying it for a year and a half. They finally came back down to earth. <laughs> uh, number three, Nick Castellanos has had a rough go of it lately. He batted 077 over the last week with an 077 slugging and a 154 OPS. Yeah, had a run-in with the media. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's just Philly. And 
that's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Philly, New York, LA, you kind of run into those. Yep. Number four, I have Didi Gregorius, batted 083 over the last week with an 083 slugging and 166 OPS. So two uh, Phillies hitters, obviously not, you know, Phillies not hitting or playing as they should really all year. And number five, I have Nelson Cruz, batted, had a zero average, a zero slugging and a 154 OPS. He's 0 for his last 11. So I guess he must just came back from the weekend, from the all-star break and went over. So not great. So those are my cold players of the week. Kind of not a lot of not surprising names on there, to be honest, especially Max Muncy. Yeah, well, yeah know. that's all year for him. Yeah. Uh, some guys I got here, Wilmer Flores, Anthony Rizzo, Ramon Liriano, who could be on the on the move, and Riley Green's been slow of late. Um, some pitchers, Wainwright got beat, beat up there. Uh, Pablo Lopez got hit around. Radon had a kind of bad break outing. I think they, uh, the outfield lost the ball. In the sun and have given uh, two runs because of that, but still, stat wise, you know, kind of not great. Otani got beat up as much as they talked about his run of 30 innings and only getting like one run. You didn't even know that he gave up a bunch of runs once mm. you go checked it. <laughs> yeah, it's that's true. How that goes. And Shane Bieber gave us some runs. So, there's some real big names there on the cold pitching list. Uh, but that's again, that was mostly just because of their last start um, after the All Star break. So, that happens. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know it's weird with the Rodon thing with the guy lost the ball in the lights. It's like the third or fourth, fifth time I've seen that this year. Twice with the Red Sox. Oh, yeah. I don't know what what's going on right now. It just uh, see so many highlights. Of the guys they go to catch it and they just immediately put their hands up like I I lost it. I lost it. You know, usually you don't see that quite as often. Guys got the sunglasses on. They're fighting the sun. They at least know where it is. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like I've seen it a million times already this year. I don't know why. Especially of late at the Red Sox, and there's been a couple teams here just all the last week or so. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think the Red Sox one was the, what was the inside the park grand slam. Yeah. I think that really, uh, <laughs> that definitely running. catches the, someone's eye, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's tough. Uh, tough to deal with as a pitcher and you get, you get earned runs because of that. Um, some injury news. We had some, you know, some pretty big names here get hurt, which is a shame here. Uh, Rafael Devers plays in the IL. J.D. Martinez missed a couple of games here back, so that's another reason why the Red Sox could just start trading. Yeah. Uh, Michael King, uh, the mystery of a fractured elbow. It wasn't the one where you're pitching and you see it and it gets a pretty nasty look at Jared Parker. He used to have those. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of threw the ball, and he was just like, yeah, you know, this doesn't feel right, and he has a fractured elbow. Might even need Tommy John, so that's a kill for the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Witt, hamstring. They don't really know if he's getting on the I.L. Pineda placed on the I.L., Luis Robert placed on the I.L. Trout placed on the I.L. There's some huge names. Trout seems to be. Uh, a fixture there. Uh, Jesse yeah. Winker has an ankle injury. Duvall's done for the year. Steven Matz, thanks for coming back, pitching a couple innings, getting hit around with the Red Sox uh, for the Cardinals because he hurt his knee. He's back on the IL, so you know that really helped. Yeah. Tyler Stevenson, bad foul ball to his uh, collarbone, broke that. He's done probably the, for the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. Tough break for him. Longoria placed on the IL. So some big names there and some guys who could have got traded or you know teams could be in the market for players because of these injuries on the good side of things Kikuchi had a rehab assignment uh, Springs for the race was activated uh, Montas came back through a couple innings the other day Jazz Chazon bad news for him they found out that he had a stress fracture in his back after being on the verge of coming back he's pretty much done for the rest of the year uh, DeGrom should be pitching back pitching with the Mets here by the end of the end of the month beginning of uh, beginning of August so right okay. at the deadline they really expected him uh, Gene Segura progressing with his finger Harper they didn't take the screws out this today as they kind of thought they could have, but he's not not a setback. It was actually today would have been ahead of schedule, so next week they should take him out, so he'll be on schedule. So mid to late August for him. Okay. Uh, Yadier Molina is going to be joining the 
the Cardinals back. He should be going on a rehab assignment the next couple of days. Ex- expectation is he'll be back with the Cardinals the first couple of days of August. Mm-hmm. So that should help them a lot. Yeah. Jonathan India missed a couple of days here with some um, with some injuries. And Tatis cleared the swing of bat. You're going to start seeing him do some things. He probably won't see him activated with the Padres probably till mid-August just because it's been out all year. It's going to take quite some time to get caught up. Yeah. Yep. So, um, but that's your injury news, uh, good and bad. Um, some, some big names on the bad side, but some big names on the good side. So that's just how the injuries go. That's just how it shakes out sometimes. So it could be, could be worse, and, but it could be a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, there's some guys um, there out for the season. Michael King's a big one. Adam Duvall's a big one. Um, but also at this point in the year, you get – you know, Jazz Chisholm is obviously another big one as far as stars of the game. So, you, you know, you get a relatively good injury here, especially maybe, you know, I know. Yeah, something like that. You, um, you're you looking at, you know, if you're on a playoff team, maybe you can come back for the playoffs, but it's looking like, you know, you might be out for the year. So now's not the time to get an injury like that. Jazz Chisholm hurts, like I said, but, you know, they're not. Luis Robert. They're not really sure. Luis Robert. Definitely hurts. Because whatever chance the Red Sox had that left, that's all but out. Yeah, so you have a lot of guys there that really, um, you're hurting playoff pushes and you're hurting, uh, you know, maybe trade potentials. Um, you know, maybe your decision to trade or not trade is affected now. So these injuries are definitely a little bit more under a microscope uh, around this time. So it stinks for those guys, um, but hopefully we get, you know, some of them back and playing and good to go. You know, short IL stints are always good. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. So um, the last cell thing got here is uh, the trivia question. And we've seen the All-Star game. We've seen Pujols at 41, 42 years old, whatever exactly he is. Well, you could be older for all we know, but yeah, we've seen that. So, trivia question is, Satchel Page for the St. Louis Browns is the oldest player to play in an All-Star game. That's just how it is. <laughs> um, but who is the oldest position player to play in an All-Star game? And in 1985, for the Reds, Pete Rose appeared in the game. He pinched hit for Fernando Valzuena in the 1985 All-Star game in the Metrodome at Minneapolis. In the eighth inning, he grounded out. He is the oldest position player to play at 44 years old and 43 days old. So he is the oldest position player, Pete Rose. And the oldest player ever is Satchel Page in the All-Star game. Makes sense. So um, that's a trivia question. So Pujols was right there. He could even be older than them, you know, the, the yeah. for him being oh, yeah. possibly 45, 50 years old. But, True. Um, what we know... His age, uh, he's right there towards the top of that list, third or fourth uh, oldest all-star appearance. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, position player-wise, Pete Rose in 1985 is the oldest position player to appear in an all-star game at 44 years old and 43 days old. Yeah, he played a while. Uh, you know, makes it a little bit easier to mask those hits that, you get, that he got, um, you know, when you play at a good level until you're 44, 45. Yeah, 25 years. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I imagine you'd get 4,000 hits at that point if you're hanging around that long. So, yeah, so yeah you know, again, we'll pull, is Pulhost that old? Maybe. <laughs> we, don't know, yeah. <laughs> we, we don't know that, but uh, he could be. But there's, yeah, there's, you know, I I, I figured it would have been someone uh, towards their retirement, obviously, would, you know, if you figure the oldest person to be 44. You know, Satchel Page being 49, like you said, is, is insane. He really was the angel, ageless wonder out there pitching, so... Yeah, it's a good one. It's a cool one. I, I I wonder how many guys came close. You know, there's guys like uh, Jeter and, and Mo Ichiro. had their times in the sun. Ichiro had time in the sun. Miggy, by the time he retires, will be you know he'll be up there if he gets put in the All Star game, kind of like he did this year. So you know, there's always guys that like they hit 40, 41. Cal Ripken, you know, that they get put in the All Star game, and you know, it's cool to give them a send off. I do like that 
they did that this year with Pujols and Miggy, and they threw him in there as like a special celebration. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. I really do because then. You know, well, they you gave can, so much to the game that it's time for the game to give them a little something. Back. Yeah, I, I don't think it, and I know people make the argument, oh, you're taking away roster spots from younger guys that deserve it. It's like, well, you know, when you have Albert Pujols, who isn't making an all-star game, truthfully, by by his... And he's arguably one of the greatest, arguably the greatest right-handed hitter you've ever seen. Yeah. Or ever. Yeah. I think you, you could throw him in there mm-hmm. for one extra all-star game. It's not going to hurt nothing. No, then that's, you know, I think that's actually, I think they should keep that if there are people retiring and... You know, they threw in Miggy, I think, to balance the rosters. If that, I think, makes sense. But, you know, if they could do that in future years, uh, Miggy again or, or uh, you know, I can't really think of guys right now, but people that are coming up, you well, know, I think it makes sense. It also helps because then those years like Jeter's last year, was Jeter in All-Stars last year? Probably not, but he got voted there. Mm-hmm. So getting voted there took a spot from a younger guy. Right. When, you, when somebody knows that he's going to get put there because he's a legend of the game, you're not going to vote for him. Right. So that actually would help. But yeah, that's guys true. like Verlander coming to the end of his career, Kershaw coming to the end of his career, you know, those are those are guys where you're like, yeah, they probably deserve to be there at the end. Yeah, um, you have Hall of Famers, it's like, let's give back to them at least just this one All-Star game. Yeah, know? yeah, one or two at the end of their career, you know. And then there's obviously so many young guys here that are still all young, so we're not going to really have to get into it. But, you know, guys maybe Trout towards the end and mm-hmm. Yanni Molina here, right? He could have even been there. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's some really guys like that who really deserve, you know, to, to give – were to get essentially at that point uh, yeah. an, a gift, um, but also to, to help these young guys at the All Star Game, it's it's cool to see these these old Hall of Famers, you know, talk at these All Star Games, and, and it teaches these young guys. It, it gives them, hey, remember when he was there and he taught me this? He told me this. Um, it's just cool to see, give them something. Um, yep. But they gave so much to the game. Pool was twenty two years or so um, to the game, um, and um, again, you could make the case that he's the greatest right handed hitter to ever play baseball. Yep. You can make that case. You could easily make the case that he's the greatest first baseman to ever play baseball. Mm-hmm. And his first 10 seasons are the greatest 10 seasons anyone ever played baseball. Yeah, so... His I averages mean, of 330, 30-plus 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. That's his average. Yeah, I mean, so... He's, he's, he's unbelievable. I don't think putting him in an All-Star game in his last season is uh, that big of an ask. Yeah, and maybe you know. he won the Triple Crown. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean like, all right. Yeah. It's okay. Exactly. Know? It's not hurting nothing. Right. So, I, I think it was cool. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, that's, that's pretty much all I got. We got the deadline. We're going to go nuts. Next week's episode is going to be absolutely berserk. We're going to be doing it, recording it the day before the deadline. You know yeah. how that goes. The deadline start, ends at 3 p.m. on or 4 p.m. on August 2nd. Somehow deals are still coming at 6 p.m. You got, you know, Soto could be moved. Otani could be moved. You know, anything. You don't even know. Maybe Granky gets moved. Anything. There's so many guys that get moved. And it's craziness. And, you know, teams make big mistakes like the Pirates did um, years past. Um, yep. You get teams who just make great even trades. Um, you get teams that make trades that you don't think of anything of. Eddie Rosario, Jack Peterson, Jorge Soler trades last year. They were really World Series winning trades. Mm-hmm. Without them, they don't win, the Braves. Um, so this is the time of the year where it's like, okay, this is just absolutely berserk. Your phone going off. Twitter's going off. Everything's going nuts. Your team's whole different. You go watch a game. There's five different players. It's just berserk. Yep. That's where we're at. It's going to be fun. Next week's episode is going to be just chaotic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, next week is is definitely one to look forward to. We will we'll probably even have the TV on with like live updating <laughs> trades, you know, as we're as we're trying to record this. So yeah. that'll be fun too. Um, but other than that, that's all I got for this week. Next week will be a fun one. But for now, um, you know, unless you have anything else, you can wrap this one up. That's it. All right. 
Well, thank you guys for listening. You can catch this podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts and Spotify. You can listen on our regularly updated YouTube channel as well as our website, screwball.podbean.com. You can follow me on Twitter at RealMikeLaPree. You can follow me on Instagram at MikeLaPree. And you can follow me on Instagram at FTubs10. And you can follow me on Twitter at FTubs10. You can follow our official Screwball Twitter at ScrewballPod. You can follow our official Screwball Facebook at ScrewballPod. No Ian Screw. And that's it from us, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep, take care.